Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unfailing Grace Podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote. And this is part two with Daniel and Edith Busey. Did I get it right? I know Lynn got it right the first episode. So, okay. Um, And um, Daniel and Edith are, well, I don't know. Daniel, are you multi-generational LDS? Formerly? Seventh generation. Seven, okay. from, From Nauvoo. Okay, Whoa. so, so multi generational um, have experienced their own transition stories, and we're kind of in part two of Edith's story. In part one, she shared what it was like growing up um, LDS, uh, primarily in Kentucky, mm-hmm. and um, shared very candidly about getting pregnant out of wedlock and what that was like within her situation we're not gonna if you want to hear that story you gotta go listen to episode one it's worth listening to but we're picking up in this episode with edith um she her daughter's been born she's doing the path of a single mom she is still committed lds um last we talked she said you know her bishop had given her the steps she needed to come back and um daniel comes back into her life. So that's kind of where I'd like you to pick up, uh, Edith, is when and how did that happen? And then, you know, how has God been at work from like then till now? So. Yeah. At the time I was working with my sister. She, she worked at an attorney's office as a paralegal. So um, her boss kind of hired me just because he wanted to help me out. Um, But I remember talking to her and being like, you know, um, Daniel's going to be coming home from his mission, you know, maybe, maybe this is it, you know, if he's still interested like he was before. Um, and so, yeah. Um, now was your sister, in, was your sister encouraging? She, she was encouraging. Um, and okay. she was willing, you know, she was being hopeful for me. Um, because she, you know, she knew what I was going through and, and what I had gone through. And, um, so yeah, she, she was supportive. Was your employer LDS? No, no, he wasn't. He was Baptist, uh, and he really <laughs> did not like the, the LDS people. Oh, dear. But yet he yeah. still reached out and was willing to give you a job to help you out. So Yeah, he, yeah, he was. Yeah. Cool. Because um, I was going to say, so at this point, are you like living on your own in an apartment? Are you living at home with your parents still? So you've got the help there. What's your living situation? Because now you're a single mom. You're what? 18, 19 at this point. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you've got a young child. So at the time I was also living with my sister. Um, I had moved town okay. so that I could work with her. Um, so I was living with her and, and she was, you know, she, they were helping me out, but it was nice to be living outside my parents' home because even as a single mom um, and, and as an adult, my dad still felt very much like he was the man of the house and of my life and yeah. could control me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I kind of want to let you talk a little bit about 
That's what say, how did after. how did the reconnect happen? <laughs> Daniel comes home from yes. his mission. So yeah, yeah, go ahead, Daniel. Feel free to jump in here. Well, with, uh... Should we introduce Daniel and back up to? to... <laughs> I don't sure. know that we want to hear about all seven generations, but you no. are definitely generational. Yeah, so um, uh, like I said, I'm a, at least on some lines, I'm, I'm a seventh generation Latter-day Saint, and my uh, ancestors, so I've, I have a lot of pioneer ancestors from the 1830s to the 1870s, um, and uh, some of them, wow. some of them knew Joseph Smith personally like one of them was a, a bodyguard to the prophet and he was um who were they uh the one the one that you would read about maybe would be joseph holbrook uh he was yep. in okay science camp i think mm -hmm. um yeah but there was the holbrook family the hayes family the reed family so that that's on my dad's side and then my mom's side um my mom grew up catholic and then joined the church in her 20s Okay. Um, so we, uh, I was about nine when we moved to Kentucky from Maryland and, um, and I grew up in the same ward as Edith. Uh, and I was good friends with one of Edith's brothers in high school. So I, okay. I went to Edith's house a lot. Um, but, uh, Edith kind of, uh, avoided me and, uh, she, she was really shy and didn't really talk to me until after my mission. But, um, but I did have hopes for her and I was, I wrote to her mom a few times and to her brother, um, during my mission. Okay. Anyway, but never directly to her. Uh, no, cause okay. I was too embarrassed after the, after she never responded to my card when she turned 16. So I was too embarrassed to really approach her after that. So. Were you aware of what was going on in her life then? Uh, no, actually I didn't know. So, and that's, I was confused when I got back from my mission. I found out that she had a baby and I found it out from her because I, uh, and I was, um, kind of confused and, um, and very disappointed. And so I, that's when I gave up on her the second time because I'd kind of given up on her before my mission and then I gave up on her a second time. Um, and I went out, that was right before I was going out to BYU. So after I, I got home from my, from my mission in the springtime and I went out to BYU, um, was accepted as a permanent student, even though I started in the summer, I did the permanent application. Um, so I could have just stayed in the fall, but I, f after a summer at BYU, I felt like I wanted to go back to my old school, Western Kentucky University, where I'd gone before my mission. So okay. I went back. So I went back to Bowling Green, Kentucky, um, and uh, got my hopes up for Edith a third time. <laughs> and asked her out and she went out with me that time and um and then we got engaged kind of fast and got married so wow so edith so second disappointment what what did that do to your hopes did you like go okay no he's come back i'm a disappointment to him what was going on so with you I didn't know that I had been a disappointment. I remember being at church and holding my daughter and he's talking to me and he's like, oh, so what's your sister's name? You know, because I have all these younger siblings and I'm like, oh, this is, this is my daughter. And he's just like, oh, okay. And just kind of like started walking away from each other. And then the next thing I knew he was out in Utah and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess he's, he's out of here. I, I didn't realize I'd been 
such a disappointment until afterwards. Um, I think it was even after we were married that he was finally like, yeah, I was so disappointed, you know. And, and again, for our, non, for our non-LDS or non-performance oriented audience, this is the cultural expectation. I mean, this is what Daniel, I'm sure was, this is what he was groomed to thinking. And this is, wow, because like we talked about in our first episode, sexual related sins are like at the top of the hierarchy within Mormonism in terms of how bad they are. I mean, it's like one step down from murder pretty much. And so that is a huge obstacle. And so your righteousness in Mormonism is very much tied to like what you accept and what you associate with. And so if you want to be pure and holy, you don't dare associate with somebody else who might be tainted by sin or might not be, because that could rub off on you. And that's just right. how performance systems work. And, and, and I just want to say that is so radically different from the Christian gospel of grace, where one, my sin has no ability to define me. And when my sin doesn't define me, your sin can't define you. And so your sin, even if you're in the middle of it, has no ability to rub off on me or affect my relationship with God. And so there's a freedom and ability to be authentic and step into other people's lives in this covenant of grace that just isn't there in performance-based religion because you can't take the risk of being tainted by somebody else's sin. Right. And I, so. yeah. And I, I did, we did have an experience um, where that was very obviously made known to us. Wow. Um, I'm so surprised even to me. Yeah. So oh, really, Oh, so yeah. Okay. So after, <laughs> after we got engaged, we got engaged in the fall. I think it was like around November. Oh, oh. Daniel must've changed his mind. Yeah. So I had really high uh, standards, you know, fresh off my mission. So, of course, I, I was disappointed. I thought, well, I'm going to have to find a different girl, you know. Um, but then I went, uh, I was kind of awkward with girls. And I don't know, it just, it was weird that first summer after my mission out of BYU. Um, and that was also my first experience with, uh, like, immersion in Mormon culture, you know, in Provo. I was so, going to ask you about that. So that, I wasn't used to that either. So. It just, it was just kind of hard. And, um, and, uh, so when I went back, um, I, I just felt like the Latter-day Saint students in my Institute group at, in, in Kentucky were kind of more down to earth and just easier to be friends with and less high maintenance friends, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, and <laughs> That's a good way of girls, you know? And so, uh, I felt more comfortable with them. And, and so when I came back, Edith and I started dating that was in so I came back in the fall so we and we had our first date I think in August of that year and then um by February I um we got engaged we got engaged right before I decided to go back back to Utah yeah he was like listen I'm leaving to Utah tomorrow so I need to know like are we getting married or not and I was like oh <laughs> was that the proposal <laughs> That was this. That was the follow up to the proposal, because she said, "I don't know." The first time I asked it. So, oh wow! Um, okay. So, so why? Yeah, so so we Edith, went back to Utah. Yeah, yeah so, so I know Edith, what you're gonna ask. <laughs> why that? Why the hesitancy? So when he finally does propose, what is it that, you know? Because you shared in the first episode how you're like, "Wow, if Daniel comes back and he's still interested within the LDS system, he can kind of help put my life back together because he's a yeah. worthy priesthood holder. He's a returned missionary. He yeah. comes from a great family. So now." 
why when he does, what contributes to your hesitancy? I mean, we went on like three dates and hung out some and he proposed. So oh. like, <laughs> okay. That I mean, was. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow. Like I knew it was, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Um, I just, I just didn't, I didn't want to get married. Like I did want to get married, but not so soon. Like I wanted to have more time, yeah, but okay. uh, I well, felt like sense. he wasn't giving me that time. Like, it, you know, it's either now or never. Um, I'm leaving to Utah tomorrow. So if it's, if it's no, then I'm going to go find me a, a Utah girl. Um, so yeah, I kind of felt a little bit pressured. Um, but I also wanted, you know, I knew that, he, that we would be going through the temple and all these, all those things, which is what I wanted. So yeah, that's, that's where that hesitancy came from. Okay. Oh, so that quickness <laughs> is not terribly unusual now because culture oh, Christians no. find it like, whoa, like why would somebody after three weeks or whatever? Yeah, we never, we never had a boyfriend, girlfriend stage. We just went from friends to engaged. Uh, for me though, it didn't feel that sudden because I'd liked Edith since I was 14. So I'd been waiting for years, you know, so. Yeah. So, but did you have some kind of a definitive spiritual experience? You know, a lot of times Mormons will say, God, I felt like God wanted me to marry you. So I, I actually did. And he does, even I to this know. day, he doesn't believe that I <laughs> had this experience, but, <laughs> but I did have this experience. So well, it's going on record now. So, <laughs> so when he, when I turned 16, you know, he, he came over and brought me that birthday card asking me out on a date. And I remember he handed it to me and I looked up at him and I was like, dang, that's who I'm going to marry. Um, and then I avoided that like the play, you know, that's why I never mm -hmm. got back to him. That's why, yeah. like when my mom was like, he's such a great guy. I gave him a chance. I was like, no. I, I, well, at 16, that would be a scary thought at 16, yeah. having marriage mm -hmm. jump into your head. You're like, Whoa, I got way too much life ahead of me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Oh, but that's, I mean, that's kind of cool. So like <laughs> I did have that hesitancy when he asked, but I also knew what I had felt before and it was, they were both kind of contradicting and, and so, yeah, like I, you know, but, but we got engaged and, um, oh, we should fast forward now to the, yeah. So girls. he, he went on to the next day, he drove out to Utah. I stayed behind and the plan was that he was going to help me find an apartment because, you know, in, in, in our ward, like once you turn 18, you go out to Utah, like that's what you do, you know? Okay. And I yeah. wanted to be that kid. Like I'm on the right path now. I got to go out to Utah. So. Yeah. And for people who went, are just joining us who maybe didn't hear episode one, all this is taking place um, around like Bowling Green, Kentucky. So yep. totally out of the Mormon bubble, totally out of the Mormon. Totally out, yep. So yeah, going from Kentucky to Utah is, I've heard like culture shock. Um, yeah. So let me give you a little context from BYU. We used to have uh, discussions at BYU that a million um, Mormons around the world were turning 18 every year and needed a place to go. They needed a BYU in order to stay LDS, right? And BYU has 36,000 students, but they could only take so many in BYU, Idaho, and uh, BYU, um, Hawaii, right, can only take so many. And then there's a school in Virginia that's largely LDS as well. And so one of the great concerns at BYU was always, what are you going to do with all these youth that are LDS turning 18? How are you going to keep them faithful to the LDS church? One yeah. of the things they eventually did was drop the missionary age to 18 so that young men could go immediately on their missions because we knew we were losing at least half 
of the men not going on missions once they went off to secular colleges, right, for a year, and then they turned 19 and they were supposed to go on a mission while well, they weren't choosing to do that. So that's just a little background from our point of view. Yeah, yeah that's Okay, so why did you go back to BYU? That was an expectation from your family, do you think, or? Uh, well, I really, I really, really loved BYU. Um, I, I've, I mean, I had a great BYU experience. It was just, um, I'm not sure what I, I, for years, I, I, I attributed it to the Holy Ghost prompting me to go back, back home and go back to Western Kentucky University. Um, but I missed BYU so much that I, I was coming close to graduating. So I, I had you know, I had too many credits to transfer back and graduate from BYU, but I found an excuse to go back and take more classes from there since my school didn't offer very many summer classes. And I also wanted to get work and it was easier to find a job in Provo, like a college type job. Than so what was, was your in, degree in? Can I ask what? what uh, I majored in, majored in in Spanish um, and minored in criminology, but uh, BYU had really good Spanish classes, which is why I went there the first time. And then the second time I just took some, I knocked out some general education credits. Sure. Um, yep. So, yeah, so that's why I wanted to go back. So I went back first, found a job. Um, and then, and I, and I had a, a singles ward. Um, and I really, really liked that singles ward, that second singles ward. Of course, by that time I was engaged. Um, and, and that's what, what we were talking about. Yeah. yeah I'll let you so I eventually move out to Utah. Uh, he finds me an apartment that I can, you know, it's family housing, which he tried to explain that to me. And I was like, that's, this is ridiculous. Family housing, single life. Anyway, but he was going to the singles ward and, and he, they, the girls, his friends, they, they knew he was engaged. Um, and they were like very friendly to him. And, and um, when I came out, they were like, Oh, we want to meet her. Like you need to bring her to one of our activities. And, and I was going to a family ward, not his ward. Um, and he kept asking me, he's like, they really want to meet you, you know, come to one of the activities. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. I know what's going to happen. I don't <laughs> want to put myself in that situation. Aww, he's like, no, no, no. These girls are really nice. They really want to meet you. They're so friendly and this and that. And I, I was like, okay, I will do it for you. I yeah. will go to one of your activities with you. But I have a child. I need to bring my child. Didn't know anyone in Provo. So, you know, couldn't find no a sitter baby. Or yeah. No easy babysitter. So yeah. So okay. we went to the activity and none of the girls spoke to me. They saw me come with my oh. daughter. Nobody oh. spoke. None it, of the girls spoke to me. It, it was very, <gasps> did you not give him a heads up, Daniel? Tonight. He didn't give him a heads up. He was well, just like, I'm engaged. I, <laughs> I'm bringing her. <laughs> no, I don't think I told anyone, oh, but, um, but I didn't think it would make a big difference i mean i i don't i don't know what i was thinking i mean the guys were all normal yeah, and that's what they, they thought and that little girl is so cute and you're gonna be so lucky to you know be the dad to that little girl like that's how that's how the guys were but yeah. how old was your daughter it was shocking point? it was shocking how how they gave they were just completely different i was shocked i was shocked at I, well i mean i was shocked at the girl's reaction but not like i was shocked because he told me like they're such good girls they're not that way. And I believed him, but right. in the back of my mind, I knew what to expect. And so I was a little bit shocked because of that, because I thought 
well maybe they'll be be different different girls yes and then the other shocking part was how much the guys actually spoke to me I mean I would have thought that they would have seen me and seen my my daughter and been like oh she's you know she's not she's not a virgin we can't be near her because she's gonna like but it was completely opposite they were super nice to me Mm. they they had conversations with me they talked to my daughter and, and but the girls were completely like they wouldn't even look at me um and 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 for him that was really shocking like he was like like I just didn't expect that at all this was a slightly older singles ward it wasn't like the on-campus wards I mean these were all returned missionary the guys were pretty much all returned missionaries um the girls were probably around the similar age maybe as any other singles wards but um but that was kind of the dynamic anyway, but it was just really interesting how the, the different. So, so how did that impact your LDS faith view of the whole religious system? Then did that do anything to go, whoa, this really isn't. Um, I think that by that time I was already used to that mm-hmm. type of reaction. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a confirmation, like, you know, I knew this was going to happen. Like, but I think it was for him. I think it, it was, was a different. shocker. It was a shocker to me. Um, but uh, I, I kind of just chalked it up to Utah culture. I, I up until last year, there was I, I made a huge separation in my mind between Utah culture and Mormon culture. And I didn't field. really connect. I did didn't. And there is some. I mean, it's more mm-hmm. pronounced in Utah. But I didn't really connect, you know, Utah culture to Mormon doctrine because because I didn't live and didn't grow up in Utah culture. But now, you know, I can kind of see more of connection, you know, between the two. So let me see this parallel. People then, when they begin to question their faith, never believe that those folks will ever turn away from them. They've been my friends for all of my life, right? They would never react that way, and then. When they do outcast you where all of a sudden you're not in their circle anymore, it's a shock. So this is a similar kind of thing, right? We within the culture just assume that because this person's also in the culture, they're going to love and accept us because we all hang together. We give each other jobs. We marry each other's kids, right? Right. And so when that turns, I don't want to say ugly, but when we get kind of outcast. Sometimes that's a good way to kind of open our eyes to wait a minute. Was that unconditional love? Was that really a friendship that I can depend on? And um, wow, we're yeah. near the end again, John. Yeah, we are. So we want to bring this back to something positive because good things happen in these two, uh, in the lives of these two. Yeah. And it's fairly recent in their life. I want you to know that uh, Daniel was a bishop. What, a year and a half ago, Daniel? Not so long uh, ago. Yeah, about a year and a half ago. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I guess where I would love to have Edith kind of conclude with this is what, so what did that response by his friends do to you guys' relationship? You and Daniel, did it draw you closer? Did he like, did he go, wow, that really wasn't good? Did he take your side? Did he like try to justify? what was the relational dynamic after that happens? Because that's a, that's a pretty big event. Yeah. Um, 
I think for a long time he tried to justify the way they reacted. Um, and over the years, I've been like, no, no, you can't, you can't justify <laughs> that kind of behavior. Yeah. And it actually hasn't. It's it's only been recently where he's finally been like, okay, yeah, that was, you know, you were right. That, but, um, but I knew that for him, it didn't. I didn't blame him for trying to justify them. I understood why he was doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it didn't really bother me that, like, that I didn't that he, that he wasn't on my side. It didn't bother me because I had no doubt in my mind of what had happened. And to you, there's a part of you that wasn't surprised that yeah. you were and not I, a Molly Mormon and you weren't going to be accepted by the Molly Mormons. Yep. It had to be somewhat eye-opening for Daniel, though, to realize that if he marries Edith, you know, some of this is going to rub off on him, too, right? Having been from the perfect LDS family, done the perfect things, served the perfect mission. um, Well, and and I would like to say, like, his parents were not happy about us getting married at all. Okay. They were not happy about it, so... All right, but, well, that's where yeah. we're going to pick up next time. Oh, um, gosh, I want to hear about that. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, you guys have worked through a lot in your relationship, obviously. And, I mean, and that is, I mean, that's, I think, very telling in terms of the grace of God and how much he's done with both of you. So I think, Lynn, that's where I'd really like to jump in um, next time is, okay, you're engaged. What's the family dynamics? And then... Yeah, yeah and then we need to hit when they began to question who began to question right. what that did to the marriage, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then where they are now and what Sounds advice good. they would have for others. Yeah. Grace and peace to you, my friends. Until next time. So long. long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.